It's not that men aren't willing to admit that they're proud, but they don't recognize what an abomination pride is to God and how it is actually like one army coming out against an opposing army. So when you choose to be proud, you can't just take it nonchalantly before God because he's holy. So getting men to soberly assess the damage pride is having in their lives is much more of a challenge than just getting them to admit that they're proud. People who are sincerely seeking freedom from sexual sin usually have a vague idea that there is something under the surface that needs to be dealt with, a kind of root sin that lies underneath all their other sins. And they're right, but they're usually very surprised when they find out what it is. In this show, we'll look at how pride relates to a man's struggle with sin, give you an inside look at how we help men in our residential program identify and deal with pride, and then offer hope that there really is freedom from the root and its fruit. I'm your host, Jim Lewis. This is Purity for Life. Pastor Steve Gallagher is the founder and president of Pure Life Ministries, and he's joined us in the studio today. Good morning, Pastor Steve. Good to be here with you, Jim. Today we're talking about the subject of pride and how it relates to a man's struggle with sexual sin. Now, in your book, At the Altar of Sexual Idolatry, you have a chapter called Root Causes, the root causes of sexual sin. And here you expose the core issues behind the sex addict's battle with sin as selfishness and pride. Can you describe the correlation between these two sinful tendencies? Let me start by talking about selfishness for a minute. We all basically know instinctively what a selfish person is like. You know, it's someone who's just all about himself, focused on what he wants without regard to how it may affect other people. And that would be a selfish person. But I want to dig a little bit deeper with it. And I got to thinking about, okay, how did that word come about, selfish? And I started thinking about some other words with the suffix ish on the end of it, like amateur-ish. So we understand that when someone is acting amateurish, it means that they're acting like an amateur or foolish. We understand that it means that they are acting like a fool would act. So then thinking of it like that, what does selfish mean? It means someone who is wrapped up in his own self-life. Okay, now how does pride tie in with the self-life. And I've done some real thinking on this. I'm not sure how exactly perfectly right I am, uh, but I've really tried to think on this subject on a deep level. And the best way I could think of to correlate pride with selfishness or the self-life is to think of it like pride is the perspective of the self. 
You know, so you have the self-life, which is just another way of describing the carnal nature, our fallen nature. You know, it's who we are as a person, but it's understood in Scripture that who we are as a person is tied up with our fallen nature. So that fallen man, our lower nature, as some would call it, his perspective on life, the way he looks at other people, the way he looks at God, the way he looks at life— is all coming from the perspective of what's in it for me. And so his first primary concern is to protect himself and to exalt himself. And so that's the best way I can think of to correlate pride with the self-life. Well, I think that's a great description of self and pride. So tie it to the sexual addict's struggle with his sexual sin for us. Well, I can get it down to a bare bones, simple formula. The more self, the stronger the self-life, the more that sexual sin, sexual addiction can thrive. Because the stronger the self-life, the more the person is wrapped up in what he wants, and the stronger that drive becomes. But as a contrast, think of a, a totally selfless person like, Maybe a, some saint from old, you know, and they are constantly going through life giving themselves away. There is no way that habitual sin is going to find a home in a person like that because they aren't totally wrapped up in self. They are thinking about other people. Would you say then that one of the goals of the Pure Life Residential Program is the complete destruction of a man's self-life? Well, I don't know, but I can tell you I've been in this 50 years, and my self-life hasn't been totally destroyed. But the Lord has certainly put a good-sized dent in it. And, you know, for a guy coming into the residential program, he's been living for himself for years. That is just the way it is. You know, I'm not trying to run him down. It's just the reality. If he's been addicted to sex, then he's been living for self. And everyone around him has had to suffer for it. So what we try to do is get him focused in a completely different way, get him focused on on the Lord, show him what a joyful life it is. Uh, you know, those of us on staff who have been have broken out of that rut and the joy that we have as people, as believers, and if the guy in the residential program can get a sight of that and something rise up in his heart like, I want that kind of life. I want that joy-filled life where I don't have the need to go running after every kind of sexual desire and, and, and all that. If he can get a sight of that, he will fight to have that kind of life. And of course, the Lord wants to dismantle our self-life, but we have to cooperate with him. We, you know, it's, it doesn't just happen automatically. It's two of us in that yoke, and the Lord is doing the primary work, but we have to be going along with him. Now, in your books, you reveal that there are seven different forms of pride that can coexist inside a man. Uh, you mentioned the haughty spirit, unapproachable pride, self-exalting pride, self-protective pride, to name just a few. How did you come to know or see that there are seven different forms of pride inside a man? Well, that happened in 1990, uh, right when I had first begun the residential program 
And again, it was I was trying to think on a deeper level, but from a spiritual perspective, what is pride? And, you know, so I started breaking it down, just really looking at my own life, looking at my own inner life and how people affect me and my reactions and so on. So I just kind of came up with those seven things. Um, and, you know, since that time, I've been able to look at it on a deeper level. And that comes out in uh, my new book, I, The Root of Sin Exposed, where I was really able to get at it on a much deeper level. And so those seven things, well, they're still in the book uh, at the altar of sexual idolatry, but I kind of repackaged it and looked at it in a much deeper way in um, that new book. Well, Pastor Steve, you mentioned what we call the I book, I, the root of sin exposed, 14 chapters on pride and humility. That's the purpose of the book, to walk a man from sinful and selfish pride into godly humility. Now, what I find fascinating in the book, early on you portray in a rather dramatic way how pride is a sin that caused the fall of Satan. What I want to ask you, though, is this. What are the immediate implications for a man who is struggling with sexual sin? Well, the story of Lucifer is really a fascinating story because here's where pride started, you know. And so I pieced together um, different bits and pieces, which are in Scripture. I mean, there are things expressed in Scripture about what happened to Lucifer. Like in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, it's described in there and other places. So you start... Like a jigsaw puzzle, you start putting out the pieces that you know you have, and then when you have this somewhat fractured picture, then you start tying it all together. And I told the story as best as I could speculate it, what happened to Satan, to Lucifer, how he fell, and how he took others with him. So that was how it all began, pride. Human beings are moral beings just like angels are. And the difference is that the angels had a set probationary period. Those who went along with Satan fell and became demons. And those who withstood his temptations and stayed faithful to the Lord remained as angels. So, you know, that came and went. And then all these thousands of years since then, they've played out their roles. But with humans, it's different because our entire existence on earth is a probationary period. And so for a guy who has gotten involved in sexual sin, basically what he has done is he has patterned his choices and his lifestyle after the thinking of demons. And so he has dug himself into a deep spiritual pit, and now he must walk himself out of that pit by changing the way that he does life, changing his behavior. And over time, little by little, he's coming out of that pit, coming into the bright life that the Lord has planned for him. What I hear you saying is that we have followed the enemy into pride and into selfishness, and that has led to sexual sin, 
And there is a way out. What is that way out? What is the opposite of following the enemy? It's following the Lord. It's doing all that we possibly can to fight for a life in God. And as we do that, it opens the way for the Holy Spirit to work that wonderful process of sanctification in our inner man. And, you know, little by little, we change, and we become more godly. <laughs> I want to almost say God-ish, kind of. You know, we want we're going to become more full of the Spirit of the Lord rather than full of pride. That was a thoughtful and revealing discussion, and I appreciate you coming in to our studio today. Yeah, it was a blessing, Jim. I enjoy looking at such things. It's one thing to agree theologically that pride is the first evil and is behind every other sin. Most people would nod their heads and give a hearty amen if their pastor said that from the pulpit. But it's a wholly different thing to come to grips with the pride in our own hearts, to acknowledge the gravity of it, and to do battle with it in the grit of daily life. I recently sat down with three of our residential program counselors to get some of their thoughts on this key issue. I'm joined today by three of our biblical counselors at the residential program here at Pure Life. Jordan Yoshimine, Nathan Bohr, and Luke Imperato. Welcome, gentlemen. I appreciate you being with us today. Yes, glad to be here. Well, the topic of our conversation today is pride and the part that a man's own pride plays in his struggle with sexual sin. And specifically, what I'm going to ask you men about is how you, as biblical counselors, deal with the sin of pride in a man's life. For the men that you counsel, uh, men who have come to our program seeking help, with habitual sexual sin, are they surprised to discover that their sinful behavior is the result of a much deeper problem? Are they surprised to learn that the problem all along has been a rebellion that is rooted in sinful pride? One of the verses that I use, and I love the book of James, is uh, James 4, 7. It says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. And uh, we try to resist the devil uh, in our own strength, and we really forget that first part, which is submission to God. And when you back up, okay, what is not submitting to God is rebellion, pride, self. Uh, it's amazing, the residential program, how just living in a dorm with 16 other guys will make pride rise to the surface. We don't, as counselors, honestly, we don't have to do much to prompt that come, the pride coming to the surface. It's that spiritual pride or that self-righteousness that comes out or that critical spirit or that judgmental spirit that often comes out when you're dealing with 15 other people who are in the depth of sexual sin that 
they've been in. And so it's like they're pointing the finger at other people. And it's just a, a really a treasure trove when you come into, into a counseling session. They say, that guy did that, or that guy's doing this, or why can't this guy do this? Or at work, when I'm writing, you know, this guy wants to do this and this and this. And then you're like, do you see what the problem is? It's not that person. It's your heart. It's who you are. Um, James, again, says, you know, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And I use that a lot. I love, again, I love the book of James because it has so much within it. You know, the proud just comes out. It just, it is in them. And so it's very, very easy. We don't, honestly, we don't say, hey, you're full of pride the first session or the first two or the first three because you just, it just starts coming out because that a person who is in sexual sin is full of themselves for sure. Yeah, I, I find that that same verse in James is very helpful. Um, it's not that men aren't willing to admit that they're proud, but they don't recognize what an abomination pride is to God and how it is actually like one army coming out against an opposing army. So when you choose to be proud, you can't just take it nonchalantly before God because he's holy. So getting men to soberly assess the damage pride is having in their lives is much more of a challenge than just getting them to admit that they're proud. So far I've heard you all say that uh, sexual sin is, is a surface sin, that that's not even really the issue. The issue is a proud, rebellious heart. It is your heart attitude toward God that you will not submit to him and that you'll go your own way. And the other thing I've heard you say is that how God views pride, that this is the ultimate sin as far as he's concerned. Let's talk some more about the scriptures and what the scriptures say about pride and um, how you show a man from the word of God what his problem is and what the word of God has to say about it. I really like there's two verses that I, I will use regularly. Uh, Psalms 138.6. Again, this is in the NLT. Though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance from the proud. Or in other translations, he knows the proud from afar. Mm-hmm. And it's like you're claiming to have a close, intimate relationship with the Lord, but you have this pride, and that kind of contradicts the word of God. The other one that is very pertinent is the first beatitude in Matthew 5.3. God blesses those who are poor in spirit. Or the NLT, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So this is a huge issue. Like (laughs) the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are poor in spirit. And poverty of spirit just implies a level of humility. And you can't have that if you're full of pride. Yeah, we use, I think, I think all three of us and most of the biblical counselors, if not all, use Psalm 51 as a way to just wake a person up to their, their spiritual condition. Um, you know, if the guy's just really locked in spiritual pride, uh, we take him to the story of King David and the story of Prophet Nathan coming, and the result of that is Psalm 51. And and we say, hey, you, okay, this week all you're going to do is read Psalm 51, and then on the flip side, read Isaiah 53, which is about 
who Jesus, the prophecy of Jesus and what he did. And just trying to get a person out of their pride. If a person is so locked into spiritual pride and can't see their spiritual condition, uh, we often take them to, to those two passages and just say, read that over and over and over again. So what are the obstacles that you encounter when you're dealing with a man's sinful pride? Well, like all sin, pride blinds you to the pride that you're in. So you think you have an idea of how proud you are, but it's not until you're willing to admit that you have no idea how much pride you're actually in that the Lord comes and opens your eyes to reality because sin causes us to dwell in delusion and, and to think more highly of ourselves than of any of the people around us where the Bible calls us to esteem everyone else as better than ourselves. So pride, like all sin, has this mask over our eyes, over our understanding, so that we can't actually, I could see the pride in somebody else a lot clearer than I can see the pride in myself. So when somebody comes and says, you're really proud, you're like, you're really wrong. And, you know, you can go back and forth like that. So I find it's best to pray that the Holy Spirit opens the eyes of their heart so that they can see the amount of pride that they're in instead of just confronting it straight on because uh, you, you're going to face a lot of resistance that way um, where the Lord is able to, to get into the heart and really reveal reality to the person. One of the, uh, the biggest biblical truths that really hit me and the Holy Spirit opened it up to my heart in a new way once I got here was... and. <sighs> I guess how our spirituality and our religious activity could be the greatest thing that blocks me from humbling myself or blocked me from really seeing my pride. And Matthew 7, 21 through 23 just hit me when, he, he, when Jesus said that not everyone who cries out, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. And how could I escape that verse when I'm coming to Pure Life Ministries residential program for sexual sin? <laughs> I'm clearly not doing the will of God. And I would bring up, well, what about my successes in ministry? And what about all the things that the Lord has used me for in ministry? And it's like, well, the Lord knew I was going to ask that question. And when he says, well, on the day of judgment, Many will say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. And I must have read that verse 50 times before coming to Pure Life. But when I realized, wait a minute, that applies to me and I was just hiding behind my spiritual activity and my religious activity, the Holy Spirit just came in and opened the <laughs> eyes of my heart to that yeah I would find you know I was as Luke was talking I think probably in the last year or two that has been my biggest obstacle with guys is getting them to really take a hard look at their walk with the Lord before they got here and so I use Galatians 5 16 through 21 I use 1 John 1 6 and 7 I use uh, Romans 1. I mean, I just am trying to uh, sow in the seed. Matthew 13, uh, John 15, 2, um, 
do you realize where you really were? You know, having to take them really uh, back. Lots of men in ministry, lots of senior pastors, lots of missionaries, lots of worship leaders. And they think because they did all these things that they were in ministry, that that somehow gives them kind of a leg up spiritually and they don't see their true spiritual condition. I mean, some of these guys said, uh, yeah, how, ma- how long were you in your sexual sin uh, before you got here? You know, four decades, five decades. And so there's no, there's in so much delusion about their spirit con- spiritual condition. That is a huge, huge obstacle. It's that spiritual pride. They want to hold on to that life because otherwise... It was all, it's not, it's all for nothing. It was all a waste. And that's a very, very hard thing to face. I had to face it. I know many of my guys, but when they face that, when they come to that realization, then godly sorrow, true repentance, brokenness, contrition, poverty of spirit, all of those things come in. And then on the flip side, hope, joy, peace, rest, all those things that they've been looking for all of their lives actually happen not happiness holiness peace joy the fruit of the spirit really right so uh yeah that is a huge thing right now i mean my last five or six guys guys i'm working with now that is a big struggle for them to overcome their spiritual pride all the stuff that they've come out of all the ministry that they've come out of well that must count for something well he luke just said it luke uh matthew 7 21 through 23 So one of the greatest obstacles to the sin of pride is that pride, like all sin, brings with it its own delusion. All of you have mentioned the deluding aspect of pride, that it blinds you to just how much pride that you're in. So that's that's a major uh, obstacle. A man's need to be right and his belief that he is right with God, even if he's been in sexual sin for decades. He has to believe that he's right with God. How many men tell us, I know I've been in sexual sin, but I'm saved. Well, they're not saved from sexual sin, are they? One of the things is to, that I find helpful, is I'll bring them to James where it it says, you know, you can be a hearer of the word and not a doer, and the result is you deceive yourself. And it's kind of like you take them to that verse, and I'm not coming at you personally. I'm just saying that in reality, you haven't been following the word of God. And so the natural result of that is you've been sitting in church, you've been hearing the word, but you haven't been doing it. So then it's expected, natural, and almost like okay to be in delusion because that's what you're in. That's what produces it. And it's just like, oh, okay, so I don't have to defend myself. It's like, no, (laughs) you're just in delusion. And that's what happens when you are here and not a doer of the word. Yeah, Luke is definitely touching on the most effective way of dealing with someone's pride. And that is not in the words that they say, but all right, let's look at your life and your actions and what you've been doing. And let's lay that outline next to what the Bible calls you to do and are they matching up and where do they need to change and are you willing to humble yourself and allow the Lord to, to change you or are you going to continue to say that you're all right even though your behavior is completely contrary to what you're, you're saying. Yeah you can take I mean just to piggyback on what Luke was saying about the hearer 
in the doer, you could just go to Matthew 7, I think it's 21 through 24, where it talks about the wise men, the foolish man. Well, the wise man hears the word, but also does it. And the foolish man hears the word, but does not do. And and it's just like uh, pride uh, goes before destruction. At the end of that verse, it says, and there is a great fall, right? Same thing. It's just like you build your house. You're not a hero, but you're going to build your own kingdom of pride. But when it falls, because you built it on yourself and your flesh, what's going to happen? It's, it's You show them that verse. Well, yeah. You're here at Pure Life. You're in the residential program. How do you think that turned out for you, right? It's that fall, that great fall. It's men who have been in executive pastors, pastors of large church missionaries, they've lost their ministry. They've, they've lost everything. Great fall. Well, let me ask you, can an unregenerate, an unsaved man put off his pride and walk in real humility? Uh, unregenerate, that word alone just is the key word there because humility is the attribute of Christ. It is part of who he is, all of who he is. It's as Jesus lived his life in humility and complete submission and obedience to the Father. He did not say or do anything that his Father said. Or, so, uh, so by definition, you have to be regenerate in order to have the biblical definition of humility. It's just not possible unless you have been born again. You come into the, the attributes and have access through the Holy Spirit to humility, true humility, a life of hum, uh, humility. But even then, because of our flesh nature, uh, James 4.10 says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Um, Luke 9.23 says, you know, take up your cross daily, die daily. Mm. Galatians 2.20 yeah. says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So it's an ongoing process of dying to self, humbling yourself um, before the Lord. I think Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, right? And you can only have humility if you're living and walking in the Spirit. It's just, it's not possible outside of a life in Christ to be humble. It's just not it's not possible. For our listeners who are tuned in today because they struggle with sexual sin, what hope can you offer them that they can forsake their pride and come into true godly humility and so begin to gain freedom from their sin? Yeah, if I can just give brief testimony to when I first arrived at uh, Pure Life Residential Pro Program, I thought that sexual sin was just the least of my problems. It was, a, it was a really small problem compared to all the other problems that I was dealing with in my life. But as the Lord continued to open my eyes to reality, because I had lived in delusion for so long, I realized that this was a life-dominating sin that had started in my preteens and that I had just covered up with all kinds of Substance abuse and wild living, just living for pleasure while claiming to love God as my Lord. When really, I mean, he was never in reality my Lord. Now, humility addresses sexual sin as 
uh, as the Bible does. And it says that no sexually immoral person will inherit the kingdom of God. So this is a huge deal, just like pride is a huge deal. And if God takes it that seriously, I need to take it that seriously, and he will help me to overcome. And the verse in Psalm 149.4 uh, is really encouraging for those uh, who are willing to humble themselves. It says that, For the Lord takes delight in his people, and he crowns the humble with victory. Mm. So if you are desiring victory, the first step, to victory is humility. The, the way out is down. You know, it, it's, not, it's not rising up to the occasion. It's not just trying harder tomorrow. It's realizing, I, I can't do this. God, I need you. I need help. And I need your help. Because only you and the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit in me is going to sanctify me or change me from what I find myself in today. Yeah, I'll just add... Uh... To provide hope, definitely use three resources that I use and we use here in the residential program is uh, two of Steve Gallagher's books, uh, The iBook, The Root of Sin Exposed, all about pride. Excellent book on pride. I personally, when I was in the residential program, uh, loved the, his book, uh, Living in Victory. Mercy, Living the Mercy Life, man, that was It was, it was everything. I mean, just to understand God's mercy for me and then to, to give it away, that, I mean, talk about hope, uh, just seeing how merciful God was. And that book was pivotal for me. And then a pamphlet we give out for to, probably every student is Pride to Humility by Stuart Scott. Very, very, I mean, it's a short little booklet. Powerful, powerful, powerful little tool that we use to, to provide hope, but to show men their pride, but also what humility looks like. And, and uh, guys who go through that book are really, really, really impacted. But those two books that, uh, through our ministry, Pastor Steve Gallagher's books are really good resources for people as well. And that was Nathan Bohr, Jordan Yoshimine, and Luke Imperato. Thank you men for your work on the front lines, uh, counseling men, in sexual sin, using the Word of God, and thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Before we close today, I want to remind you of the resource that we mentioned in my conversation with Steve Gallagher. He's written an in-depth study of the sin of pride and how to gain victory and walk in godly humility. The book is called, I the root of sin exposed. That's the letter I, the root of sin exposed. You can find it at store.purelifeministries.org. That's all for today's program. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.